0: This is a uh, exciting Sunday. I'm real excited about what we're going to be talking about today as uh, we talk about uh, the gospel and really how to share uh, the gospel with others. And so we're going to start off in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. We are going to have a part one and a part two of... of um, Uh, this, this message, the gospel for everyone, and the reason for that is because I didn't want to rush through things, Uh, I wanted to make sure that things were uh, taught clearly, and I also didn't want it to be all, let's see, what, what would be the right word academic, um, I wanted to make sure to include God's Word, so we are going to be talking about a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 22. Uh, over the past uh, about uh, a month and a half, we've been talking about the gospel as We think about our theme for this year, uh, Be My Witnesses, His Plan, Our Purpose, and so we started off with uh, Biblical Conversion. We asked the question when we when we started off this this whole study, which was this: Do people need change? And when we looked at the Word of God, it was uh, we we uh, saw that people do need um, they do need change. They need gospel change, and we saw that in Acts chapter two. And so, just a reminder, and you don't need to turn there. I'm just going to put a couple of verses up on the screen for us, just a way of of um reminding us although as i look out there are some people that were not here uh for those so this will be a great way for you to get caught up uh over the several i guess the month and a half in a very quick way and so just a reminder here in acts uh, two thirty-seven. this is pentecost and so christ uh, told the disciples wait for the holy spirit the holy spirit has now come in acts chapter 2. Uh, peter goes out and he begins to preach and everyone is hearing in their own native uh, language and uh, so this is something very supernatural the holy spirit is at work and so as peter is preaching it the, the message of the gospel really affects those who are listening and so they say this now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what shall we do the idea is what shall we do to be saved and so peter has a, a, a great opportunity and, and he could have said a number of things So he could have said sin no more go and sin no more your sins are forgiven he could have said that but but he didn't really have the power to forgive sin christ did that he had the power to forgive sin so we don't see that peter said that peter could have said because most of the people that he's talking to are jewish people he could have said i know we 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 constantly mess up what you need to do people is try harder He could have said that. But under the Holy Spirit, again, he did not say that either. And so what did he say? We see what he says in the very next verse. This was his reply in the Holy Spirit. He says this, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at this about a month and a half ago that really, as as Peter is talking He says that really there's two things so their question is what must we do to be saved and he points out two things the very first thing is the idea of repent and so we talked about the idea of repent is to turn around it's to do a 180 is to be going one direction and to turn from that direction and go the complete opposite way and so that idea of conversion is turning with our whole lives from self-righteousness to Christ's justification, from self-rule to God's rule, from idol worship to God worship. That's the idea of repent. And then we said there was a second thing. He said, repent and be what? Baptized. And we said, not that baptism saves anyone, but baptism is what? It's a picture of what has already happened in the heart. And so he said repent that is that change that is you're going one direction that that uh self justification turn towards christ allow Christ's justification uh to cover you or christ's righteousness and be baptized and again that that picture of baptism is the fact that uh, when we're baptized it's an outward picture of what i believe i believe that jesus christ died for me he was buried but he didn't stay dead he rose again that's the picture of baptism and so that's why peter says that um, repent that is change the direction you're going and be baptized uh, be uh, just celebrate with others what has already happened in your heart and so we talked about that biblical conviction uh, from there we move to the gospel as good news because that's what the gospel means that gospel means good news and so we saw why it's good news From Romans chapter 8. And so Paul says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we talked about the Mosaic law really condemns us. It shows us where that level is of, of what we should do to honor God. But we fail. That Mosaic law points out the fact that we sin And so we are condemned because of our sin, but Jesus Christ has redeemed us. And so Jesus Christ, though we are condemned under the Mosaic law, we are justified because Christ has lived in our place. And so Paul says this a little bit later on. This is Romans 8, 3 and 4. He says this, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so Jesus Christ lived under the law, and he died in our place. He lived under the law so that we would be justified in in God's sight. He died in our place. ...to pay for sin... ...and so that's why the gospel is good news... ...because our our position in Christ... ...never changes... ...he paid all of our sin... ...and we have been given all of his righteousness... ...and therefore our position before God does not change... ...that is the good news... ...we are not condemned... ...we are justified... ...that's the good news of the gospel... And then we moved on from the good news of the gospel, and we looked at the the Great Commission, and we have a part of it up here on one of the banners, uh, Make Disciples. And and so as we looked at Matthew 28 and and the Great Commission, uh, we summed it up in this way. The Great Commission is about reaching unbelievers with the goal of seeing them saved, baptized, and taught to obey God's word. Because that's really the, the two parts of the Great Commission. That is that we go and make disciples, baptizing them and then the very next word uh, the next verse says teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and so when we talked about that that's the idea of obedience to god's word and then last week we talked about something that was very very important to the great commission so we talked about the how the two parts of the how then we looked at those those uh bookends of the great commission and so we said this Fulfilling the Great Commission starts and ends with Christ. For it is through his authority we go, and with his power we spread the gospel. Without Christ, the gospel just cannot stand. And so when we think about the Great Commission, it must must start and end with Christ. It cannot start and end with us. So that is a a quick review of what we've covered thus far. And the reason why is because we've been laying a a foundation. The reason why I wanted to do a a big review today is because we've been laying a foundation of why the gospel is important. And today, we're going to get into that. We're actually going to get into how do I share the gospel with others. Because oftentimes, Christians don't share the gospel because they don't feel like they know how. And so we're going to be looking at that today, but before we jump into that, we do want to look at this passage in Matthew 22. So we're going to start in Matthew 22, we're going to start in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 7. And so if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, we're just going to read seven verses to get us started this morning. So notice here in, in verse 1, it says this, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parable, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my ox and my fatted calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready Come to the wedding feast, but they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. And the king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. All right, we're going to stop there. Last we'll the Lord's blessing upon our time, Lord. As we think about the gospel for everyone, as we think about what we're going to be covering today, it is so important, Lord, that we, that we do uh, share the gospel with people who need it. Because in the world today, there are so many people who are taking the broad way that leads to destruction. And, and there is only so many that is taking the narrow way that leads to eternal life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would uh, use what we're about to talk about this morning... ...the the gospel. Help us for our minds and, and our ears to be in sync with you... ...and our hearts to be in sync with you. May we take what we learned today and to apply it to our lives. And may you receive the honor and glory... ...as more people in our community turn from their own justification their self-justification to Christ-justification, as they turn from honoring themselves to honoring you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use your word as you see fit today, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, in the context here, in uh, Matthew 21 and 22, we see kind of the final rejection by the religious leaders. And so the religious leaders, uh, they've, They've had opportunities to see Christ's miracles and Christ's teaching. But they have continued to uh, reject um, the fact that Jesus is that promised Messiah. And so here in chapter 22, again, we have kind of a parable that is, is really pointing out their failure to recognize that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. That he is God's son from heaven come to earth. He is that promised Messiah. And so that portion that we read today is really kind of a sad and, 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 and a startling um, area of scripture to think that here the service went out. They went out to the people that were invited. The people who should have reacted. The people who were under the authority of the king... But did not come to the wedding feast. It was supposed to be a time of rejoicing. But instead we see that those people that were invited. Treated those servants the wrong way. And so in verse 7 or in verse 6. And the rest of them seized the servants. Treated them shamefully. And killed them. And the king was angry. And he sent his troops and destroyed those servants murderers and burned their cities and and if that was the end then that would be that'd be one parable but of course it doesn't end there because the the wedding the wedding feast has been set the the king has already invited a group but but so far there's there's nobody in the banquet hall and so notice what happens next here in verse eight and then he said to the servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. And look at that next verse there. And he said to the servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. And then there in verse 9, Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding the feast as many as you find. And so he really says, Go out in and invite anybody. Anybody that will be wi- willing to listen. And so notice how, how this goes here. And there's really three parts to the command of the king. That very first part is, go therefore. Does that sound familiar to you? Did we just cover that a little while ago in the Great Commission? Go, go therefore and make disciples. Well, well Jesus Christ says this, go therefore, or in, the, in this parable he says, go therefore to the main roads... And invite, and so really, we see kind of that second thing is is that you, you find, and so let me show you how this kind of plays out, and then you go to invite. The, the idea is this: go therefore to the main roads, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding feast. Now I know in the Word of God those two that, that those two parts of the very end there are swapped, but that's the idea. That's 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 the way that the thinking goes. Go, therefore, to the main roads, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding feast. And that's really what, what, what the king told his servants. Go, find, invite. And that's the same things that we really should be doing as well. As followers of Jesus Christ, as servants of the Lord, we should go, find, and invite. And so notice what happened. What did... What did they do? Look at verse 10. These are are the servants underneath the authority of the king. And this is what they did. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. They did exactly what, what they should have. The, the king said, "Okay, Emma. As I'm looking out here, the people I invited were not worthy. Why were they not worthy? Because of the way they reacted. Uh, they they did some, some bad things. They ignored the king's uh, request. They killed the servants that the king had had brought. So the king sends out more servants. Go out and find. Go out and find everyone and invite them. And that's exactly what they did. And I love this second part here. So the wedding hall was." Filled with guests. That's great. That's a praise. Because really, in this, this picture here that Jesus Christ is giving us, this parable, this is, this is the kingdom of God. This is, no doubt, points to the marriage supper of the Lamb found in Revelations 19. And, and it was empty, and now it is full. People received the message, they accepted the invitation, and they came. Now, if if it ended there, that would be great. But it doesn't end there either. There's a little bit more to this this parable... ...and so notice as we continue here. In verse 11. But when when the king came in to look at the guest... ...he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend... How did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attend, uh, attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him in outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hmm. So here, there should be really rejoicing. There, the... the The fellowship hall is is full. The banquet hall is full of people. And as the king walks around, he notices someone that is not dressed appropriately. Now, who is this person? I believe this person is, is an unbeliever based upon what happens there at the end. This is someone who heard the message... The servants went out and they invited him and and said, Hey, hey, the king's son is getting married and everything is prepared. Come and be a part of it. But this man did not really take it seriously. He came out of duty. He said, the right thing for me to do is to be a part of this. But he was not really there to honor the king or the son. And we know that based upon his garment. He came because it was the right thing to do, but he wasn't really there to honor the Lord. And sadly, there are people within churches today that they come in Sunday after Sunday, and they're a part of the, the, the thing we call the local church, but they've never really yielded their will to the Lord's will. They, they've never really... ...put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They're going through the motions... ...because they know it's the right thing to do... ...but they're not really here to honor the Lord. And as I look around... ...I'm not looking at anybody here today. And matter of fact... ...I don't think it happens a lot... ...here in California... ...as much as it happens back east. But sometimes... ...churches can be full of people... ...that go to church... Or that say the right things because they know it's the right thing to do. But they're not really there to honor the king. And so we see that's happening here. And then, and then notice the ne- very next verse. This is, this is quite amazing here. But in Matthew, as, as uh, we finish up this, uh, the, uh, Jesus says this in this parable. For many are called... But few are chosen. But many are called, but few are chosen. Now immediately we begin to think to ourselves, wait a second. Many are called, but few are chosen. And and we begin to scratch our head and we think to ourselves, how does this go along with what we learn from Paul? Because Paul definitely talks about those who are called are justified. And so how do we reconcile these two ideas? Well, many people, as they look here at Matthew twenty-two fourteen, 14, and this is one of the reasons why I'm pointing this out this morning and how it really goes into what we're going to be talking about, is this is the general calling. This is anyone who hears the gospel. So when we go out and we share the good news and we say, hey, uh, you're a sinner, but... ...but you know what? God loves you despite your sin. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place. They hear the invitation, but they don't accept. And so really, as, as you think about the big picture here... ...how does what we're being taught here in, in Matthew 22... ...in this parable of Jesus Christ as well as what Paul talks about. These things are not opposites. We're not in a fight here. Instead, really, these things go hand in hand. Because those who by faith put their trust in Jesus Christ are those who receive the message and those who are called. Those who are chosen, I should say. They, they may have heard, they may have been called by one of us who shared that good news. And, and they, they heard it and they received it they're the chosen. But there's also people who hear the call but, but they don't listen. They, they don't allow it to affect their lives. They, they go out the same way they came in. And so they reject it. Those are the ones that are not chosen. And so those who do by faith are chosen. And those who do not by faith are not chosen. So these two things are not, they don't go hand in hand. How do we know Well, those people who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those are genuine Christians. And those who are simply playing the part, those who do Christian things because it's the right thing to do, those are the people who uh, Christ is talking about here in this parable. They never really came to honor the Lord. They were just going through the motions. And so these are not... Um, These things do not go against one one another, but instead uh, they're two of the same. These two ideas don't go against one another, but instead they go hand in hand. And so as we think about this general invitation, as we think about this calling, as we think about going and finding and inviting, not everyone will accept. But that doesn't mean that we become discouraged. Because really our desire is simply to obey what the king has said. To go, to find, and to invite. And that brings us to the gospel. How do we evangelize an unbeliever? How do we evangelize an unbeliever? Because there's many Christians, they just don't feel... Like they have the tools to be able to do this. And so we're going to cover uh, two parts today. And uh, I do have an end of my message. And I know because of what we're about to cover, it's going to be long. And so I don't know if we're going to cover all of the two points or most of the two points. But I promise next week we will cover the whole idea. But the very first thing is the approach. The approach. It is an important part of sharing the gospel. Some Christians are very skillful in the approach. Matter of fact, someone would even say it's a talent. Somehow, they're able to, whatever conversation they're having, I mean, they could be talking about, like, barbecue, and then all of a sudden, that person has a way to turn a conversation about a barbecue into the gospel. There are some people that just, they just have a knack for this. And you know what? ...the more you do it... ...the easier it becomes. And so there is an approach... ...when we think about going and sharing the good news... ...we must think about the approach. And so everyone who really knows how to share the gospel... ...knows how to approach people about spiritual things... ...and let me say... ...it's hard when you first get started... But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. All right. So under the approach, this is the very ne- this is the very first thing. Before you approach, you should pray. Before you approach, you should pray. Some people who are very faithful to, to personal evangelism, those people that know how to really turn conversations, they regularly pray for people to be saved. They regularly pray. Matter of fact. ...sometimes they wake up in the morning... ...and in their regular devotion time... ...they ask the Lord this... ...Lord, open up an opportunity for me today... ...to share the gospel. And then they anticipate... ...the Lord's going to do that. And so as they're talking to people... ...they're always thinking to themselves... ...is this the person God's going to open the door to? That's how they start off their days. They start off by matter of fact uh, one thing that we can do even if we're not praying and, and I think that's a good prayer is is this Lord maybe today you would you would help me to be bold to share the good news or maybe this week or maybe this month or or maybe this year Lord would you put someone across my path this year that I could share the gospel with that would be that would be a great Prayer request. An, another prayer request is that we all have people that we know. They could be family members, they could be co workers, they could be neighbors, or maybe even strangers. There's someone that we know that needs the gospel. And if, if, you're, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know anybody, I don't know anybody that needs the gospel. And you need to make some new friends. It's good to have good Christian friends within, within the church. But we should also be making friends in the community... ...to be able to share the gospel. And we'll talk about that in a little bit... ...just in a little while in the next point here. But we ought to pray. Because really evangelism is spiritual warfare. Therefore we need God's help to open up and change hearts. And so before the approach... We should always pray. Now, the second thing, and this is an approach that, that today, in, in our current uh, communities, in, in, in the current world, in America, this is something that is working, that churches are doing, and they're being able to share the gospel, and that's by creating redemptive relationships. Now, what does that mean? That means that we are purposeful... ...in making friendships outside of the church with this purpose... ...that we would have the opportunity to share the gospel. Where do you do that? You do it around sports. You, you could do it around a barbecue. When, when we were up at men's retreat... ...the pastor there, his name was uh, Pastor Bob... Uh, what he said is one thing that their church does is they have some people, some young people that are, they really enjoy board games, and I know some of you enjoy board games as well, and what they do is they invite people from the community to be a part of their little board game night, and they develop relationships that way so that they might have an opportunity to share the gospel. Now back in the day you could go and knock on doors and you could say, hey you know what, do you how would you describe your relationship with the lord and people would say well i think i'm doing pretty good and and sometimes back in the day you could lead someone to christ right there on the doorstep but we don't see that today instead really we we see christian people developing relationships and sharing the gospel that way and this seems to be working in our communities today so build uh, redemptive relationships And so that could be an approach that you have, that you are opening up a door by developing relationships. You don't start just with the gospel. Instead, you start with, hey, what are you interested in? Hey, you know, I'm interested in that as well. And developing relationships maybe around the barbecue rather than on their doorstep. Although, there are some people that they just have a knack in the approach that they could talk to any stranger. And you know who you are. It's it's those people out there that you never know a stranger. That somehow you have a skill, a talent, a knack, that that you can meet someone for the very first time and somehow they're your best friend by the time you leave. That's great. We ought to use that to share the gospel, to develop relationships. Because not everybody can do that. Not everybody can walk up to a stranger and have a really long conversation and be friends by the time you leave. Not everyone can do that. But if you're someone that does that, use that for the Lord. Matter of fact, there was a man, his name is Clay Trumbull. He worked as an office clerk. And one day he got saved through a letter um, from a friend. He was so excited that he went to work the next day, and he took the opportunity to introduce another co-worker to the Lord. And this was the co-worker's reply. He said this, I've been a Christian since childhood and never said a word that caused you to suspect it. I see now that if I would have simply opened up my mouth, no doubt you would have received Christ. Clay uh, uh, Trumbull made a resolution that day, and and this is his resolution. Again, this is not a pastor. This is just a a, a regular person working a regular job, and and this this is what his new resolve was after becoming a Christian. He said this, Whenever I am in such intimacy with a soul to be justified in choosing my subject of conversation, the theme of themes shall have pre, um, prominence between us, so that I may learn of his need, and if possible, need it. And so here he is, just a regular person, not a pastor, not an evangelist, not a missionary, just a regular guy. But this was his resolve. As I talk with people, I'm going to see if they do have a need. And I'm going to try to turn the conversation to the theme of themes. And what is the theme of themes? That's the gospel theme. I'm going to turn the conversation to the theme of themes and see if I can have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. And, and some people, they just have a knack. They can talk to strangers. And somehow, they, they just have this way that they can turn conversations to the theme of themes. And again, if you're, if you're saying, I could never do that. I could never turn the conversation to a theme of themes. Again, it just takes practice. It just takes really stopping and asking the Lord, Lord, would you open up an opportunity for me to share the good news of Jesus Christ? And, and I am convinced, and I know this to be true in my own life, that I know God opens up more opportunities for us to share the gospel than we really take. That somehow it just seems like everything is lined up. And that it's like, I don't even know how the conversation got here, but I have a perfect opportunity to share the gospel. And sometimes we take that opportunity and and sometimes uh, we don't. And so what... Is your approach. If we're going to be people who are witnesses for Jesus Christ, if we're going to be people that are sharing the gospel, we must have an approach. And so what is our approach? Not everyone has the same approach. Everyone develops their approach a little bit differently, but we should all have an approach. That's that first step. That is the, that is the going that is the seeking those people who are lost. That is the approach. What is our approach? The very, first, the very next thing here is to have a plan. If we're going to share the gospel, we should have a plan. All right? And so it's good to, to rely on the Holy Spirit. And, and when you're talking with someone about the gospel... Rely on the Holy Spirit. And you'll be surprised at at the way the conversation goes and the verses that come to mind that you haven't thought about for years. That's good. But also, you should have a plan. And so let me give you kind of an idea here. First of all, anyone who is a witness, really uh, regularly witnesses um, or shares the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have a plan. And, and normally they, they follow it um, time after time. And so those who are successful in sharing the gospel, they have some type of outline that they follow. And so some things to consider. Find a plan that works for you. Okay? There are, if you get online and you just look up like how to share the gospel, there's going to be like, like lots and lots of plans. And don't take all of them and, and try to use all of them. Find one that fits you and your personality, all right? Make something that is is personal. Have a plan that works for you, and then keep it simple, all right? What is the uh, keep it simple, stupid? Keep it simple, stupid. The kiss method, yeah, that's right. And so uh, keep it simple. Easy to follow. The gospel is not complicated. We don't need to make it complicated. So keep it simple. And then memorize it or at the least have some way to reference it. So I'm going to give you a little, a little um, a tip here. Okay, so if, you, if you're new, and I don't have it marked in my Bible, but if you're new to sharing the gospel and you say, I'm not someone that's good at memorizing uh, this was something that was told to me when, when I was a young man. Okay? So what you can do is you have your starting place. So you have your outline and you have your starting place. You know you're going to start here. You write that like in the, in the front of your Bible. Okay? You can't miss it. It's in the front of your Bible. Again, it's not in mine. But um, you write it there. And then you know where you're going to go at the very beginning. And then you flip there in your Bible and you share that verse... And that verse is going to help you to be able to have that first point. Now, how do you know where to go to the second point? You just write it in the margin. All right? It's easy. You just write the next verse right there in the margin. When you're done with that verse, you just look down and you go, and then we're going to go to, and then you go to the next one. That's a cheating method. But it's, it's helpful and it works. Write it down. Go to the next verse. Talk about it. In your Bible, in the margin, write the next verse there so you know where you're going to go next. So you're not going, oh, oh, what, what, oh, what was the verse? And then you're like flipping through your Bible and you're like, oh, nope, that's not it. Maybe it's a little further. Instead, if you, if you can't memorize, just write it right there in your Bible so that you can know where you're going to go. Alright, so, so have a plan use an outline everyone who is really successful in in sharing the gospel they have an outline now this is one outline that was shared with me as i was a young man and and as i talk to people many people use this outline so you yourself may be familiar with this one outline that many christians use is called the roman's road now what is the roman's road the roman road is really the gospel through the book of romans all right, ...the gospel through the book of Romans. I'm going to share the points with you this morning... ...as well as the verses. And so if, if you're not familiar with the Romans wrote... ...you may want to write this down as we go through this. The very first point... ...we sin and fall short of God's glory. That's, that's point number one. Before anyone can be found... ...they must be lost. Before anyone can be saved... ...they must know what they're saved from. All right. If Jesus Christ is the savior of the world... What are people being saved from? That's the question. And where are they being saved from? They're being saved from the fact that we all have sinned. All right? Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it's not just the fact that we have sinned. That second second point is that there is a penalty for our sin. And so then we might go to uh, Romans 6.23. And this is kind of a two-parter here but for the wages of sin and death. And you could talk to the person and you'd say, hey, you know what? What if you worked at your job and your manager just stopped paying you? Would you be upset if your manager quit paying you a wage? They just expect you to come in, do the work, and then, and then leave. And you would say, well, no. I, I think that if, if, if I'm going to do the job, I should get paid for it. And that's what the Word of God talks about as well. ...that in our hearts we have this sense... that, ...that if we do something... ...there ought to be something attached to it... ...and the Bible says there is something... ...attached to our sin. For the wages of sin is death... ...that is separation from God. Not only spiritually... ...but also one day in eternity... ...we will be separated from God... ...forever and ever. But there is good news... ...because God has given us a gift. And then that's when you go to the second part of verse 23... For the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so there's been a gift that has been offered to you. Will you accept it? And then you go to point number four. Because Christ paid our penalty. And then we'd go to Romans 5.8. But God showed his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our special music today... What a friend we have in Jesus. We were enemies... ...and he laid down his life. He willingly died in our place. And so he paid. He paid that price. So that we would not have to pay it. All we have to do is receive... ...God's gift. And then, oftentimes people go to uh, Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10... ...because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... ...and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead... ...you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified... ...and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so some people, and this is, this is the method that I, that I use... ...used, use... ...I mean... I have really two. But this is a good method. And it's easy to memorize. All right, And and it's not throughout the whole Bible. It's just in the book of Romans. And so it's easy to find. You don't have to flip all over your Bible. And if you already put the notes in, in your margin, then it's really easy. And so this is one outline of many outlines. And I say that because... Uh, one of the things that we did this year is, is on our on our little uh, bookmark, uh, we have our theme, we have our verse, and then on the back is an outline. It's not it's not the same outline, but it's another outline. And again, you don't have to use the Romans Road. Use an outline that works for you. All right, maybe this one works for you. I mean, put it in your Bible. This could be your little cheat sheet. All right, this is your outline, and uh, you use that. And so God created us for his honor and glory. We sin and fall short of the glory of God. We deserve eternal punishment. God showed us mercy by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Eternal life is a free gift offered by faith. Those are some some good thoughts there. And so we may consider using something like that. Another way, as we think about planning, some people use an outline a memorized outline, or at least some type of cheat sheet that they always can flip to. Other people, they enjoy using gospel tracks. Other people use gospel tracks. And, and so I, I brought a couple up with me. Uh, these uh, happen to be my uh, favorite gospel tracks. There's a lot of good gospel tracks out there, all right? These just happen to be my favorite. They're in the track rack outside, okay? It, it, please, we, those are free for you. Grab them. Don't put them in a drawer somewhere. Pass them out, okay? And uh, they're on the track rack there. The one that I've used for years is God's Bridge to Eternal Life. I've enjoyed using this track. Why? What, what makes it different, Pastor? One of, the, one of the things that I enjoy from this track is that it has little pictures. All right? I don't have to describe what's happening. Instead, I can point to what's happening. Because in today's world, people are used to watching TV, looking at Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. They, they take in a lot of things to the eyes. And, and so this is a picture. And, and you just go through the gospel with them, and, and it follows, it, it, it's, a, it's a great tool. Okay? So I, I use this. I've used this for years. If you're witnessing to a child, though, they actually have a bridge track for children, and so this is out there in the hallway as well, and so if if you're witnessing to a a child, um, again, it has little, little pictures in the gospel. Now, I should say that when you're using a track, there's going to be a lot of information in there. There's going to be a lot of verses. Matter of fact, uh, here in in the bridge track, just to give you an idea, uh, here uh, sin's penalty and death, there's one, two, three, there's four verses uh, just for that. You don't have to use every verse. All right? Use the the correct number of verses, okay? You should at least use one verse per point. Okay? Don't look at the pictures and just flip over to the next one. It becomes a picture book if you do that. It's not the gospel, okay? The gospel has to be rooted in the word of God. Use the word of God when you're sharing the gospel. But you don't have to use every verse. Use as many verses until you get the point across. ...and then go on to the next point, okay? They can read it. Matter of fact, after you share the gospel... ...if they accept it, great. If they don't accept it, that's fine. Give them. Just give it to them. Hey, here, just take this and, and read through it. And if you have any questions, let me know. Just, just take it. It's yours, okay? And so give that to them. Another one that, that I, um, I use uh, pretty regularly is from the Exchange... And uh, this is what the gospel track looks like. We do have some out there. This is actually what we put in all of the visitor packets at our church. This is a great track. And the reason why I enjoy uh, the exchange is because it is simple. And it, they have, this is the gospel track, this is the whole thing. And if, if you look at it, I mean, not very many pictures, lots of words. Really good stuff in there, though. But one of the things that they do is they put out... I think this is called like a GPS. This is a way for a Christian to share the gospel with someone else. This doesn't have as much writing. I say that, but I'm looking at it. It does have a lot of writing. But it's really easy. Because there's four facts that you're going to share. And all you're going to do is you're going to be introducing someone to God. And so, first of all, God is holy... And then you talk about what that means. And you talk about the fact that he cannot tolerate sin. And then you go on to the next point. God is just. He cannot overlook sin. But then when we realize that we're sinners, he can't overlook our sin. And then God is loving. All right? God is loving. So even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And it actually has the whole exchange here... It shows our sin... ...and it shows Christ's righteousness. It's what we looked at when we talked about... ...why the good news is so good. Why the gospel is good news. And then that very last part... ...is that God is gracious... ...that he has given this gift to you to accept. And it's a free gift to us... ...though it was paid for by Jesus Christ. And so a good, an, another good resource... And uh, it even has uh, a little prayer at the end. Now, how do prayers save us? These prayers in the 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 little tracks, they don't save anybody. It's really out of a heart that someone prays to the Lord and is saved. And so these words you don't find in the word of God anywhere. um, But it is a way to help. And it gives like illustrations. And I say it's kind of a tool because... Uh, like here, it says, "Imagine a point of no return." That's all it says. And if you know the, how this Gospel Track works, you know what goes next. You don't read it; instead, you look at them eye to eye, and you share with them the point of no return. So, what is the point of no return? Well, it's a point actually at Niagara Falls, and and the point of no return is is if you get uh, if you go across this line. Then, then you're bound to go over Niagara Falls. And so it's, it's posted there, uh, the point of no return. But imagine that you are not paying attention and that you went, through, you went past the point of no return and you're rowing. And you're thinking to yourself, I'm just going to row harder, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to get back into safety, but it doesn't seem like anything's working. And and so someone says, here, I'm going to throw you a lifeline, and they take a rope, and they throw a rope, and it lands across your boat, and now you have a decision to make. Do I stop rowing and grab onto the rope? And why is that important? Because so many people are trying to save themselves. They need to stop working and grab onto the rope. They need to rely on Jesus Christ. And so it's a way for us to share the gospel. So, so I, use, I use this, and uh, we're probably going to go through this. Um, I, we're probably going to go through this on a Sunday night. It's probably not a good thing to go through on a Sunday morning, but I'll show you how to use this. And I'll let you know when that comes up if you'd like to be a part of that meeting. But use a gospel track, okay? They're, they're good resources. All right? God, uh, oh, those are the names. I showed you them. God's Bridge to Eternal Life, uh, the Exchange gospel track. One of the other things that I like about the Exchange gospel track is they actually, I mean, so many of us carry around our cell phone these days. I don't have mine on me. It's in my, in my office. But so many of us do. They actually have an app that you can share the gospel. I put the QR code right there, so if you want, you take out your phone right now, scan that puppy, and uh, you can uh, download that app. It comes in both Apple as well as um, Android, and uh, you can have that on your phone. And Anytime you want to share the gospel, you probably have your phone on you, and uh, you can share uh, the gospel through that. And they'll actually also show you how to use this. And that track comes in, uh, that that, uh, digital track comes in this form, and this form, you can use either one uh, to share the gospel. Alright, use the track. The very last thing, I know it's been a long date, this is the very last thing though, is your personal testimony. Alright, in your plan, you can use your personal testimony to share the gospel with someone else. Now, not all of us have, I want to say, amazing testimonies. I got saved when I was, Five years old, all right? I, there wasn't a lot of baggage that I had. It wasn't like a, a long time. The gospel was explained to me in Children's Church. I realized that I was a sinner. I realized I was going to die and go to hell without Christ. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. My testimony is not like, like some of yours. But you can use your personal testimony... ...because you can point out who you were prior to salvation... Why you needed salvation, and now how your life is different, and make sure to connect your testimony back to the Word of God. You know what I was? I was I don't know. I was a teenager, and and I was living my own life. You know the Bible says in Romans 3:23, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God," and that was me. And you know what, I was, I was going my own way, but then I realized that Jesus Christ died for me. Matter of fact, in the Bible it says this, and you use your personal testimony as a way to share the gospel. And you know why this is so effective? Is because people have a hard time rejecting a personal account of how the Lord has changed your life. They have a hard time. I mean, they may not listen to the word of God, But if you start telling them your story, it's hard for them not to listen. And so it's good. Use your testimony, all right? Have a plan. Either use some type of outline, use some type of gospel track, use your own personal testimony along with scripture. And share the gospel with people. All right, we're going to stop there. I do have... Uh, one more thing here but we will, uh, we will save that for, uh, for another day next Sunday Lord willing we will continue uh, this idea of, of sharing the gospel because we, we have the approach okay everyone should have approach what is your approach and then we should have a plan Okay, what is your plan if someone said hey what do, I want to become a Christian how do I become a Christian what would you do would you would you go to an outline? Would you go to a track? Would you use your own personal testimony? Um, what what is your plan? We, sh- we should have a plan, but there's some other parts uh, that go with that, and we will look at those uh, next week. Let me just encourage you with this. I just want to I just want to remind you that it's not our responsibility to save people. So there's a couple of uh, a couple of terms that are used for. What we've been talking about today. So there's making disciples, there's personal evangelism, and there's soul winning. All right? All of those three terms mean the same thing. That is sharing our faith with with other people. But I just want you to know this the burden does not fall on you for them to be saved. Instead, really, the burden falls on them. If you remember in that that, um, uh, Mark 22, The king simply told the servant, go, find, invite. He did not say, force them to come. Go, find, invite. That's what we do. We go, we find, we invite. It's up to them to come. And so that's all we do. Share the gospel. Let God work. And that's one of the reasons why our approach should always have in it prayer. We ought to pray souls let's go ahead and pray Lord, we do thank you for this opportunity to uh, really consider the gospel and and how to share the gospel and, and and for so many Christians they don't feel like they have the right tools or, or the or the or the talents but really Lord you've called us into fellowship so that we may in turn go and call others into fellowship with you you have called us into the ministry of reconciliation so help us not to be afraid As we learned last week, that the gospel starts and ends with Christ. That as we go and share the good news, as we go and make disciples, we really go in your strength, in your authority, and in your power. Help us to be diligent about sharing the good news. And Lord, I have no idea how you're going to use this theme this year. Maybe there's there's a, a group here out of the, I don't know, 40... 40-some families, that, that maybe you're working in, in half of this group and, and they do want to go out and, and, and develop relationships with the opportunity to see people saved. And, and maybe this year we're going to see five new families, or maybe one new family. But Lord, I know that the gospel is worth it because you sent your son to die that we might have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, help us to be diligent, help us to be faithful about sharing that good news, help us to find our approach, help us to be prepared with a plan, that if someone was to ask us, or if you were to give us an opportunity to share the gospel, we would know how, in Jesus' name.